Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of James. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. Here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study in the general epistle of James. We have learned much about James. We know that he was the oldest half-brother of Jesus. We find that in Mark chapter 6 verse 3 and in Matthew chapter 13 verse 55. He was a full brother of Jude, who wrote the book of Jude, another one of these general epistles found in the New Testament. James was an unbeliever prior to the resurrection. You can find that in John chapter 7, verses 3 through 10. Christ then appeared to him, and he later appears in the upper room awaiting Pentecost, References for that's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7, and Acts chapter 1, verse 14. According to Scripture in Acts 12, 17, and 15, 13, and Galatians 2, 1, 9, 10, and 12, James became the first pastor at the church at Jerusalem. This general epistle is perhaps the earliest in the New Testament, dated around A.D. 45 or so. The synagogue, rather than the church, is mentioned as the place of meeting. And you can see that in James chapter 2, verse 2. It was written then when the church was still in the circle of Judaism. It is the most Jewish book in the New Testament. Unger writes this, If the several passages referring to Christ were eliminated, the whole epistle would be as proper in the canon of the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. In fact, the epistle could be described as an interpretation of the Old Testament law and the Sermon on the Mount in the light of the Gospel of Christ. And that's from Unger's Bible Handbook, page 783. Many consider this epistle of James to be the equivalent of Proverbs in the New Testament. James was known by an interesting nickname. He was known as James the Just. He was also known as James the Camel Knees. James the Just was because he was a good man and he was adjudged as such by his fellow countrymen. It is said that he spent so much time on his knees in prayer that they had become hard and callous like a camel's knees. Haley's Bible Handbook gives the information on James and says that it is thought that he was married, 1 Corinthians 9.5 as a reference. Jude, when he wrote his epistle, and James, when he writes his epistle, neither of them point to the physical relationship between themselves and Christ. 
In this case, James refers to himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, not mentioning his relationship in the flesh. The Greek language of James is said to be the highest quality. There are only four Old Testament direct quotes in the book of James, but there are 53 Old Testament references in this letter of James. James, like Jesus, loved to use the Old Testament characters in the realm of nature as illustrations. When we get into chapter 2 and 3 and 4 and 5, you'll see that especially. Uh, When we talk about nature, we know that in chapter 1, he spoke of the wind-tossed waves of the sea in verse 6, the withering grass and fading flowers in verses 10 and 11. And we will see much more as we go through the epistle. There's been some discussion, and we talked about the uh, contradictions that had been pointed out by some, Uh, between James and the Apostle Paul. Uh, But um, that's not what we see here. As we've explained already, James said in chapter 2, verse 24, Ye see then that by works man is justified, not by faith only. And Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is no contradiction at all. Paul speaks of justification before God, and James describes justification before man. We are justified by faith, as Paul says, and we are justified for works, as James says. Paul is interested in the root of justification, and James is concerned about the fruit of justification. John Calvin said this, Faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. Furthermore, Paul stresses works in 1 Timothy 6.18, Titus 3.8, and Ephesians 2.10, while James emphasizes faith in James 2.5. We know that James met with Paul during Paul's first trip to Jerusalem after the Damascus Road conversion. We find that in Galatians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. James also conferred with Paul during the apostles' last trip to Jerusalem in Acts 21, verses 18 through 25. According to Christian tradition, shortly before Jerusalem was destroyed, when many Jews were accepting Christ, Annas the high priest assembled the Sanhedrin, commanded James publicly to renounce Christ as uh, Israel's Messiah. Upon his refusal, he was thrown from the pinnacle of the temple and stoned to death as he lay dying from the fall. He was a martyr for Christ. And just a note, in case you're wondering, we know that the word perfect is used often in the book of James. And it is the word telios, meaning mature. And this is the maturity of humankind, the maturity of man, the maturity of woman that he was speaking of throughout his epistle. With that review, let's go to chapter 2 and begin reading 
the word. As I bring my well-worn Bible here to the microphone, we read chapter 2, verse 1, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. We've gone through trials, testings, temptations, and all sorts of concerns. We've gone through the problem of wrath in the human being. We've gone through the situation of uh, a human beings uh, following Christ but forgetting to be slow to anger, slow to speak, forgetting to be quick to listen. Uh, we have seen the definition of pure religion. Again, this being as the book of Proverbs, you hear and see one thing after another very rapidly uh, as if uh, it's not connected, and yet it is connected in the fact of the book itself showing us how to be mature in Christ. And he speaks now of the test of being uh, filled with the love for brethren, brotherly love. And so we see James beginning this passage with exhortation. James is getting ready to exhort on the question of partiality. He'll have an illustration, and the argument then will be against partiality down through uh, verse 13. We know that partiality, according to James, shows inconsistency in one's conduct. And so you cannot be prejudiced against another brother because that shows inconsistency. And that shows that you're not following Jesus Christ. Those we spurn are the ones God has chosen. And those we favor are the godless whom God rejects. Second, partiality is more than an error of judgment. It's an act of sin. The one who shows respect of persons is a transgressor of the law. The law is like a ring or hedge encircling those within. When one breaks this ring, he stands outside, becoming a transgressor, whether he commits adultery, murder, or shows partiality. And then third, James argues that partiality provokes God's judgment. And that's down through verse 18. Having given you that outline, let's read some more from chapter 2. Beginning again at verse 1, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves? and are become judges of evil thoughts. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you, and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? 
If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect of persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Now we stop our reading there, not because we need to, Uh, because we do need to continue reading, but because I want to go back and take a look at the verses before they get too forgotten in our minds. He's again calling us his brethren, calling us to himself as his brethren in Jesus Christ. And he speaks to us, talking to us about this thing of having respect of persons. He's giving a general uh, application to the churches scattered out, but he's giving it to us as individuals, as Christians who are scattered. And he says, If we have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, let us not show that faith, by having a prejudice, a partiality, a respect of persons. Let's not take one group over another group. Now, we know that this was a problem, certainly later on, when Gentiles became a portion of the Jewish church, and the Gentiles, the Greeks, were wondering why they were not being served as the Jews were being served that their widows and orphans were not being received in the same fashion, that the Gentiles uh, who were poor were not being received in the same fashion as poor Jewish believers. We know that became a major problem, and in the book of Acts we see that it is taken care of with deacons being appointed, and those deacons, which means servant, by the way, the servants being appointed, the ministers being appointed to serve those, whether they be Gentiles or they be Jews. And then he gives this this instance for us, uh, and he says, For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay or fine clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, And say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not partial, then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Notice, this partiality is considered to be evil by James. And I believe evil, it's considered evil by God Almighty. And that's why he had James write this epistle. Now this speaks to the heart of man and woman. This speaks to the heart of every culture in every location. This does not just speak to one group or another. This does not speak to one nation or another. This speaks to all. That's why it's a general epistle. That's why it's uh, inscribed to those 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. This speaks to us all. None of us are left out. 
If someone comes into our assembly, our church, our Bible study, our group meeting, and they seem to be wealthy, and people look at them and give them the good seats, put them up front, let them be close to the pastor, let them know what it's like to feel to be privileged, to, be feel, uh, to feel as if you're privileged in the assembly or the meeting. And yet, if you're poor, we'll put you in the cheap seats. We'll put you somewhere over to the side or to the back so that we don't have to put up with you and see you and notice you too much. Hmm. Or perhaps because of some language difference or because of some racial difference. And I don't like the racial word. Let's use family, family difference. Um, or maybe it's because of some skin tone difference. Or maybe it's because of some cultural difference. But we have a respect unto one and we don't respect the other. James says that is evil. Are you not then partial in yourselves? You have become prejudiced in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts. This idea is that you've made a difference among yourselves when we're all called to the same calling in Jesus Christ. We're all baptized in the same baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, into Christ. We are all, every one of us who have come to faith in Christ, have come to salvation in exactly the same way, By grace, through faith, we're saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. Every one of us has to come to Christ the same way. And so, if we divide the body of Christ, we have sinned, James says. If we have divided the body of Christ, we have sinned. If we prefer one group over another group, or one person over another person... It gets that bad. If it's one person over another person, it's still sin. It's still evil. If it's one group over another group, it's still evil. It's still sin. And so he says here, Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Let me rephrase it, if I may, into my own understanding. Have you not yourself become prejudiced? Have you not yourself taken on the evil understanding by uh, allowing certain people to have certain privileges and others not to have those same privileges? He says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, verse 5, Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? And that's true. Now, let me point out something. He's writing to the Jewish church. He's writing to the Jewish believers who are scattered abroad. He's not writing to a church that is um, homogenized or even compartmentalized. He's not writing to a church that has Jews and Gentiles. He's not writing to a church that has Israelites 
and non-Israelites, he's writing to a church that's all Jewish. And so he uses what would present partiality in an all-Jewish congregation or a congregation of all of anybody, and that is economic status. If the economic status looks good, then we are more preferable to them. We have more gifts for them. We have more good things to say to them than if they don't appear to be on the top of the economic rung. And now it extrapolates out, and we can say that that would be the same as if there were different ethnic groups or whatever. But in this case, it's a question of the economic scale because everything else is equal. And he says, don't allow yourself to have evil thoughts and to be partial in your relationships. We are to treat all as equal before Christ. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.